0: In a world where people are famous for doing nothing, we're here to discover the ordinary individuals who take giant leaps to do something extraordinary. Welcome to Moving Forward. Hello everyone, this is John Lim with Moving Forward, and today my guest is Mr. Gabriel Artiaga. Gabriel is a national manager at the Democracy Commitment for the American Association of State Colleges and Universities. Prior to this, Gabriel served as the district representative for Congressman Eric Swalwell in California's 15th congressional district, where Gabriel worked on issues related to immigration, international affairs, health care, and homeland security, to name just a few. Gabriel also served as a congressional aide for Congresswoman Anna G. Eschew, representing California's 14th congressional district. Gabriel recently moved to Washington, D.C. with his wife, Maya, who many of you may remember from episode three of Moving Forward. Welcome, welcome, Gabriel. How are you today?
1: I'm doing great. Thanks so much, John, for having me on, on today's show.
0: No, thank you so much for taking time out of your schedule to join us. I think our listeners are going to be super excited to learn more about you. I know I am, but I only touched a little bit on your background and your extraordinary journey. So what I'd like to do is I'd like to ask you to fill in the professional in life resume and tell us more about yourself.
1: Yeah, absolutely. Um, I'm actually just, I'm thrilled to be on today's show. And I'm Really excited that um, you have this show to really focus and highlight on all the extraordinary people that have been on this podcast, and I just feel honored to to be a part of this. Well, the Um, honor is is all
0: (laughs) mine, Gabriel. No, seriously, I, I am so excited that you're on today, so thank you.
1: Sure, sure. Before I really touch on my professional life, I think that Um, I really have to acknowledge my history and how I identify myself. I'm the youngest of uh, six in Mm -hmm. my family. And so I always joke around and say, we're the Latino Partridge family. The only problem is we don't (laughs) don't sing. But there are three boys and three girls, and both my parents were born in El Salvador. And so my family actually came to the United States as undocumented immigrants fleeing the Civil War uh, in the early 80s from El Salvador. My parents came here to really find a better place where their children could succeed in life and not really have to worry about a dictatorship or living in general. And because I have that very unique perspective, because I was born here, that's actually the, one of the motivating factor and the driver of why I'm involved in politics to begin with only because I feel just a great sense of wanting to give back to communities and families that work really hard just like mine. You have to see that all of us are immigrants and we're this very huge diverse community because for me everything is about community. I actually graduated from community college and I'm the first in my family, first generation to graduate from college. I went to the college of San Mateo and after that I transferred to the University of California in Riverside. My AA was in social sciences and my BA was in political science. After going to Riverside, I moved back to the Bay Area. That's when I really started to immerse myself politically and interned with Senator Barbara Boxer in San Francisco when her office was there after I worked for some of the leading funders in California. They were trying to make four counties in Southern California more progressive, really trying to address how to bring out more civic engagement among people of color. So I really felt a part of something big. The only thing is I wanted to provide direct services. And so one of my supervisors at Senator Boxer's office, Jennifer Tang, actually, I really appreciate everything she's ever done for me. She actually told me a position that was opening up with an issue as a staff assistant. And so I interviewed and, and I got it. I served as a liaison for the 14th Congressional District. Then another opportunity came up after that, thanks to my wonderful wife, Maya Sipak, told me about this up-and-coming leader who had just won his election and who was a DA in Alameda County and a local council member. And they were looking for someone who really knew the ins and outs of immigration casework and a number of different issue areas that... I was really passionate about. And so I ended up serving as Congressman Eric Swalwell's district representative. And what that really means is you are representing him in the district, in the community. And now I'm the international manager for the Democracy Commitment. I feel like this is a perfect fit for me because this national initiative that we are trying to engage students that are in two-year institutions or community colleges to be more civically engaged and to be more part of the democratic process, this brings me to something that I really really wanted to talk about, John, is an initiative that I've been working on for several years. It's this whole notion of where are we going, understanding our political climate and understanding the ins and outs of why folks are choosing actually not to vote and not to be more a part of their communities. And I think this is a very interesting topic and one that needs to be talked about because there are certain communities that they already feel marginalized. And what touches home to me is the Latino community. This really came out of a Pew research report that came out and it really discussed where the Latino community was going. And and it said that by 2050, you know, they would be the majority, but as a Latino community, only eight to 11% vote Mm. on a national election. And that to me is a very scary thing because we're going to be asking for some huge pieces of legislation and all we're really doing is voting 8% on a national election. Those are the only times that elected officials will be listening to us, and that's like something of grave concern. I have been working on an initiative that I call the Political Latino Action Network, where we would engage college students, seniors in high school, to basically go through this program and so we're teaching them skills on how to be an executive teaching them skills on how to really talk about what they really want in their communities and then the second part is this reasonable attainable goal and so they would identify an issue in their community that they could really tackle engaging their community on this particular issue and at the end of the program it would be aligning them with internships that open the door i think when you put all of those things together this program will really provide a roadmap. And I was talking to uh, someone who is involved with outreach in higher education at the U.S. Department of Education to find out what better ways can I be presenting Blanen. He actually thought that I would be a perfect fit for the White House Initiative on Education Excellence for Hispanics. Yeah, so I'm really excited about the wonderful opportunities and I really want to understand by 2050, are we going to be prepared or are we going to still operate under the same status quo? And me personally, I would not like to see that.
0: Gabriel, that's, incredible and congratulations on that initiative and a couple of really big takeaways that i get just listening to your story listening to your experiences and your work is an underlying theme i hear is community that you are very passionate about connecting with individuals and i love the analogy that you thought of yourself as the partridge family coming from a family of six kids and then growing up and starting out with internships and getting those experiences and forming those relationships is extremely powerful So tell us a little more about your passion and how you discovered that in your life.
1: I think that's a wonderful question. I've read all of these articles about do do you follow your passion or you do what pays the bills and then you find something that really speaks to you. And I feel like there's no real right answer about finding
0: your passion. That's very, (laughs) very astute. Absolutely. Yeah, I agree more. We've heard so many different answers. And (laughs) Mm -hmm. I think that's an important point that Mm -hmm. there is no one answer to finding your passion.
1: Yeah. I think the type of person that I am, and take this with a grain of salt, but I've always had to make a decision because there's so many things that I want to do. My dad was a a soccer player on a club team in El Salvador, and so he taught me the game of soccer and really the, the love of it. And while I wish that I could have been a soccer player or an athlete, my passions of wanting to give back to the community spoke to me more. And so for me, I've had to just make a choice. Look at the options that are in front of you. Sometimes you do have to be still, but sometimes you just have to choose. You choose something that you feel is right for you. And then the great thing about life, and if you have this great sense that you can do anything, you can always pivot. And making choices, I've really understood that like, it's okay, just make a choice and if it doesn't really work out the same way that you want or that you thought it would, it's okay to then make another choice that will pivot you into something that you feel will take you in another direction.
0: I think that's great advice. First of all, the, the power of listening and a phrase that you use, just be still and be receptive and consider all the different options. And then I love your callback to the power of internships Mm -hmm. and experiencing different avenues, exploring. And you're using a word that our listeners know that I use all the time, pivot, just be Mm -hmm. able to pivot. If you find that something doesn't end up being your passion, you can always pivot.
1: Yeah, I mean, every time I hear you say that, John, on your shows, I just like start snapping because I'm like, (laughs) I totally agree with that. We're no longer in a generation where we're staying in jobs. And this is research done about it. We're no longer staying in jobs for 30, 40 years. We only have one life to really address what we want to do on this planet. Why not try to figure out the many avenues that you want to explore? And there's nothing wrong with that.
0: Absolutely. Absolutely. Especially in this day and age where the idea of staying in one job or one career until you retire, that's going the way of the dinosaur. There's no (laughs) such thing as absolute job security. So I think the environment has also forced us to really rethink how we look at our careers and how we pursue what it is we do in life. So I think that's really, really important. I also
1: wanted to add, this is the great thing about the United States. And this is something that I learned from my parents. They came here not knowing how to speak the language. They didn't know the culture. They didn't didn't have very many family members here. But they rediscovered what they wanted to be in the United Mm. States. And this is what I love about Maya, my wife, is that she did that. When we graduated during the recession, finding jobs, we were competing with folks who had higher degrees than we did. What do we do? And I think that folks during the Great Depression must have gone through the same thing. And what I love is that there are a lot of young folks right now, just folks in general, who are reinventing themselves in this great nation and this great economy. It gives us an opportunity to really explore what we want to do. And because of the internet, because of technology, we can really do that
0: now. I think you really hit on something. The truism now that you may end up doing that several times throughout your career. So I think that's a really critical point. Mm -hmm. Well, Gabriel, I'd like to pivot. Speaking of pivoting, (laughs) actually dig a little deeper because you have had such an interesting story and you've Mm -hmm. done so many things. So can you share with our listeners a time where you failed, where you faced what seemed at the time a big insurmountable challenge, but it ended up being a valuable learning experience or part of your road to success?
1: Yeah, definitely. One of the biggest challenges that I faced is my father and I had a major disagreement in college when I was at community college. He had very nicely asked me to move out of my home. And that was a really big, challenge for me because Mm. I've always identified myself with my family. So it was a a great fear of mine to have to live on my own without my family, especially during a time when you're young and you're really trying to discover who you are. And so there was a time in college where I had to live on my own. And then because of that, I think that a lot of things opened up in terms of a lot of challenges at that point in time. And one of them was, I had like many other people who are transferring out of community college, we had to apply for different schools that we were going to transfer to. And I applied to the entire UC system throughout the nation. And I, I wanted to be in a different environment, to understand a different place, different culture, different challenge. And Southern California was, it spoke to me. I really wanted to go to Southern California. Unfortunately, I didn't get into UCLA or San Diego, but UC Riverside accepted me. For me, going to school... Because I was now on my own, a lot of my decision was well, which school is going to give me the most money. And so it was UC Riverside. And so I packed all my things into my car and I was driving to Riverside and then. All of a sudden, I get this call, and it's UC Riverside. They said, you were conditionally accepted into Riverside, and because you didn't have this one course, you don't meet the requirements anymore. Oh, no. Right. I kid you not, John, and listeners, I was halfway to Riverside.
0: Oh, my goodness.
1: When I got there, I had no place to go. I knew nobody in Riverside. It was a very lonely, lonely place. Mm. And the first night, I actually had to sleep in my car. Wow. Um, and then one of my friends who I look up to her as a mentor, and her name is Michelle Loya Talamantes. And I actually have the privilege of working with her on a number of different things. And she warned me that her mom taught at UC Riverside and she actually lived in a neighboring city called Merino Valley. I talked to her and she was like, you're going to stay at my mom's place until you figure this out, but don't give up. And I think that that's a resounding statement. I'm not the smartest person. I don't get A's. That's not how I identify myself. But for me, what I do identify myself with is being determined. Yeah. And if I really want something, I'm going to go after it. If people say no, I'm going to find a way to do it. And that's exactly what I did with UC Riverside. I did not allow them telling me that I did not meet their requirements anymore to be an obstacle in my way. And so what I actually ended up doing was I wrote to the president of the campus, the vice president of admissions, my admissions counselor, this letter. And I basically said, look, could you reconsider this whole notion? Because as of right now, I'm living in my car and I want to get my education and I'm here knocking at your door. So... Please don't close your door on me. When I sent that, because I started from the top, which was the president of the campus, it kind of trickled down because I immediately got a call from my admissions counselor the next morning. They said, look, we have a board for these particular situations and we had not considered putting your case into this, but we are going to have them review your application. Stand by. And then I did not stand by. I actually walked into admissions and I said... What do I need to do in order to get in front of this board, so that they can really understand that I'm not just this application, I'm not just this number. I really want an education. I want to do it here, and they told me that I couldn't do that. But they said, look, if you write a note, we will give it to them. And then I said, give me an hour, I'll go type this on. They said, no, they're meeting in 30 minutes, so you only have less than 15 minutes wow. to write something and give it to them. So. I literally had to write a letter very quickly explaining myself. And so I turned it in. And that's actually where I met one of my greatest advocates in college, Gabriel Mendoza. It was because of him and his advocacy in on the committee. He actually vouched for me without even knowing me. But he vouched for my story. And he vouched for who I was and who I was being, which was a determined person who just wanted to get an education. And just for many reasons, my application either didn't look great or what have you, but it's because I had challenges that I had to really deal with that a lot of other students may not have those challenges in their lives. So I ended up getting in, and I had to meet with Gabe Mendoza. And it's not that I had to, I wanted to meet with him, because I knew that once you find an ally, once you find an advocate, you want to stay close by, because they really have a stake in your success. And that's what I really got from Gabe. He was the director of the learning center on campus. What I learned from him is that it wasn't just Gabriel Arteaga that he wanted to advocate for, but it was every student who applied to UC Riverside, every student who was coming from backgrounds that were hard to understand, that he wanted to be an advocate. I've come to learn a little bit from him and put some of that into my own work and understanding that sometimes you can't just judge a book by its cover. You can't take a youth that comes from very hard background in a very tough neighborhood and a very challenging economic background and then judge them based on what they have to offer. I think sometimes we have to look beyond that and say, what can I do to help this person realize what are some of their strengths and what are some of their abilities to really make change? And so I really appreciate everything that Gabe has done for me and I always try to send him a a little note every now and then to let him know that I'm thinking about him and really it's his advocacy that has helped me move forward. I feel like the greatest learning experience that I had from that whole experience that was pretty challenging was this whole sense of being determined. I think when you get challenges, that's a wonderful opportunity for you to learn. And while that's sometimes very difficult to understand when you're in it, the best way that I know how to really get through something that's so difficult is be still. And just from within, talk to yourself and help yourself get through some of these big challenges and say, it's going to be okay.
0: That's awesome. Well, Gabriel, a couple of things that I'm just blown away by, which I think our listeners can really, really benefit from. First of all, the power of leverage and advocacy that you did not allow anyone to take your future in their hands. You put your future in your hands. And when you take probably one of the bleakest situations you can think of and you're living in your car, but you exercised leverage and got... A whole institution to pay attention. Determination is a huge, huge factor. And I think that is really, really beautiful. And I I really appreciate you sharing that. The other thing is that echo effect where your passion, your determination really made an impact on someone who then became your advocate. And so I think that's an important and very powerful takeaway as well as having a mentor. And we've talked about on the show the power of mentors. And here your mentor was not only someone who guided you but someone who became part of your cause and it sounds like here we've got the power of Gabriel's here so <laughs> that's really really cool I love that story I think that is something that people listening to this can really really take and integrate into their own life so I really appreciate that well Gabriel I want to shift a little bit and talk a little bit about life influences you've shared quite a few already but I want to unpack that a little more so it's a two-part question I have for you so is there been a movie book song play or other media that has been greatly influential in your life
1: absolutely hands down for me it, it's actually Forrest Gump oh yeah oh wow. yeah. yeah
0: they did the 20-year uh, re-release last summer I went to go see it in the theater mm-hmm. and it's an incredible movie so I love that one it's one of my top favorites yeah, no,
1: and I think it's this whole notion that if you really want to do something and you really want to live life to the fullest, you're not just going to be a fisherman. You're not just going to be the person who serves in the military. You're going to have this very unique life and try to figure these things out as as you go. And I consider myself a runner and so I in that part of the film. Oh, that's a I,
0: that's a brilliant <laughs> scene. I love that scene where he's just running across America and Yeah, and then
1: one day he just says, that's it, you know. <laughs> you know, that, that that's, that's, that's where crazy. I'm going to stop. Yeah,
0: yeah. No, that is a fantastic movie. I think there are a lot of life lessons in there. I think that's a great one. Well, Gabriel, you've mentioned so many great individuals in your life. Do you want to expand on any particular one of them? I really want to find who is a person that you've connected with that has left that lasting impression on you towards finding your career path and your life's passion.
1: Sure, I've also kind of left this up in the air for the listeners. When I went to UC Riverside, during that time that I was there, I was only there for two years, I actually was able to reconcile a lot of our differences with my father. Mm. I really feel like the importance of having a great relationship with your parents really dictates how you act around others and how you really interact with other people and make relationships. And so I would say that my heroes are my parents. You know, my mom and my dad, equally their determination and because of their own advocacy for themselves under a lot of amounts of pressure and I'm sure a lot of doubt. I've learned that if my parents were able to be successful in, in their own way because my parents actually grew up in a place where they didn't have running water, they don't have electricity. So they grew up very poor when they came here to the United States. My dad owns his own business and I'm very proud of that. My mom has been working for the same company for over 20 years. And so I'm very proud of the accomplishments that they've been able to make and what they really pushed for us to really do. And so I have a lot to thank my parents and my family for teaching me everything that I know. And so if they're listening, I want to tell them that I really love them and that they mean a lot to me. It's because of them that I'm doing this work and not looking back in the sense that like I just want to keep moving forward. I never want to feel like I'm letting them down. We're moving together. It's not just a Gabriel show. It's my family is, is along on this journey. And I have a wonderful group of supportive friends. And they're all in California. And I miss them a lot. But I get to talk to them often. And I've learned something from each and every one of them. I also really have to thank one of my high school teachers, who I feel like he was the first person outside of my family to really see the potential that I had. His name is Jim Burke. He is a English literature teacher at Berlin high school. And it was because of him and because of what he saw in me and that I didn't see at the time that I have really been passionate about being this leader, about being this person who can be the voice for other folks who don't feel like they have a voice. I took a, a reading development course with him in high school and he was very supportive of me. And I remember speaking for a student advocacy group in high school and I was a panelist and I remember vividly that I was asked who has really had an impact on you at your high school. And I was really confident. and I started off really well and I really wanted to praise him and in the middle of it, I just, I don't know what happened and I blanked out and it was the longest pause that that I've ever had and it felt like a million years and one of my really good friends was in the back and he was just making these motions with his hands, just telling me like keep going! I just got really nervous because I didn't know how to put into words how much I really appreciate him for really showing me the skills that I had and how I could really hone in on them so I'm really grateful to him and I actually just met up with Jim and my best friend Nelson and the three of us, we sat down and we're just talking about life. And I feel like when you're young, it's Mr. Burke, and now that we're adults, and I can call him Jim, I feel like that is so unique, and that is, I really love the fact that I get to have these awesome conversations with him about where life is going to take me next. And I feel like I'm bringing them along. Yeah. My wife and I have moved to D.C. and 3,000 miles away from the people that we love the most, but I feel like deep down inside, we know each and every one has had such an impact on our lives that they're here with
0: us. I think, Gabriel, what you're hitting on, and I think this is so important, the idea of Moving Forward, which is the title of this podcast, isn't just you on your journey, but you're the culmination of all of the experiences, all of the relationships, the love, the support, the mentorship that you've had from people, whether it's your parents, your teachers. I know I've had very similar experiences as well in my life. So that is just a really beautiful way to phrase it. You made a big move coming from Mm -hmm. California to D. And I love that idea, especially when you're going to a place that's completely new, that you're never alone, that you are carrying with you all of the support, the guidance, the love that you've had from people who have impacted and influenced your life. So I think that's really great.
1: Yeah, I feel honestly, when you're in a relationship with someone that you really care about, your partner, they can really help you in many ways that you possibly couldn't do alone. I feel like Maya has really helped me and pushed me to be this loving, caring, intelligent person. And I really would not have been able to do it without her. So I really appreciate everything that she has taught me within the last 10 years that we have been together, the last four years that we've been married. So it's been an awesome ride. And I'm looking forward to the many years where we're working as a partnership. We're both very passionate about what we do. Well,
0: that is awesome. And congratulations to both of you. Hey, Moving Forward listeners, if you're enjoying today's episode, consider supporting the podcast. You can purchase a copy of the Corporate Clichés Adult Coloring Book or try out Amazon Prime or Audible using one of my affiliate links, which you can find in the write-up for any of the episodes at bemovingforward.com. Gabriel, I'm excited to ask you this next question, and I know that there are listeners out there who are struggling to find their passion or to find their road, or maybe they're on their way to some journey and they're stuck halfway like you were when you went to Riverside. What advice do you have for someone who is struggling to find their passion?
1: Listen to the show. Listen to TED Talks. Listen to the other stories from folks who have gone through similar situations. I think Mike Rowe, he had a, a podcast that I heard that was very interesting, and he kind of throws a little wrench in this whole notion of you got to follow your passion because basically he talks about people who are doing really well and they're not following their passion for the farmer who is taking manure and utilizing that and making a lot of money off of that and he, he basically says sometimes passion is the motivating factor and the drive and sometimes it is sometimes you just got to choose and then if it's not what you thought it would be then you find something else that you think will make you happy so my advice is just is learn from others Mm-hmm. You know, learn. I had to learn from my two other brothers and I had to learn from my two other sisters and learning from their experiences and learning from the times when they were breaking up with their significant others or they were trying to find a job and when they were trying to go to school. These were things that I was just looking and analyzing and understanding. That would be my advice. What greater way to, to do that than through this podcast, you were talking to some wonderful people who have really been able to gauge what they want to do in life and they're doing it excellently. And I think that that will help you find what you want to do in life.
0: Well, thank you, Gabriel. And definitely everything that you have shared today, I have no doubt has impacted and inspired a lot of people who are listening to this, who are also struggling to find their passion. So thank you so much. And thank you for the very kind words. We really appreciate it. Gabriel. What is next for you?
1: That's an interesting question, because my ultimate goal is to be a U.S. ambassador. Mm. That's what I'm working towards. I'm trying to arm myself with the tools necessary that I think I will need to be an amazing and excellent U.S. ambassador for this nation. I love my country. I feel a great need to be a part of my community, and I'd like to do that in another country. And it would be amazing if I could represent the U.S. in Central America or in you know, a Spanish-speaking country, I don't know if that's next, but that's what I'm working toward. And this is where the uncertainty is, where you don't know, I like, go oh, this path, and they're going to take me there. But that's what I'm looking forward to. Is the journey that will take me to where I want to be. For listeners, if they're trying to figure out what's next, it's being able to say, what do I want to do? And then just try to figure out a way to keep moving towards that.
0: I love that, Gabriel. I love the fact that you are the culmination of everything that you've done so far, just the themes of community, persistence, relationships, that really is powerful. And I have no doubt that you will find a way to get there. So that is amazing. And I really appreciate you sharing that with us. No problem. Gabriel, I have no doubt you have made a great impact today. So, what is the best way that our listeners can make a connection with you?
1: The simplest way would be to connect with me on LinkedIn. Folks could also follow me on Twitter, at Gabe's Flying Shoe, which you can also find on my LinkedIn. You could shoot me an email. I'm always open to help folks figure out what they really want to do in their lives, so that's great. If anyone wants to reach out to me in, in those means, you know, please. We'll, we'll do definitely
0: so. be posting uh, your LinkedIn page and uh, that information. So we'll make that available. And listeners, I encourage you to make a connection with Gabriel Artiaga. It is a connection that i value and i know that many of you will benefit and value that as well so gabriel i want to thank you so much for taking time out of your busy schedule to join us today it has been a pleasure it's been an inspiration thank you thank you so much
1: no thank you it was an honor i'm glad to be on the show and i hope listeners can and value.
0: I have no doubt that you've made an impact. We discovered the extraordinary today in Gabriel Artiaga's story, Discover the Extraordinary in You. This is John Lim with Moving Forward. We will be back with another episode next week. Thank you and have a great week.
1: Thanks,
0: John. Now it's time for you to move forward and discover the extraordinary in you. Moving Forward is produced by John Lim and BeMovingForward.com. All rights reserved.